Thanks for joining the One Cause Church podcast, Building a Better Life. For more information about our church, service times, and resources, please check us out on the web at www.onecausechurch.com. You can also search One Cause Church on Facebook and on Twitter. God bless you. God's doing wonderful things here, and I'm continually amazed at the people that He has surrounded me with personally to see His vision accomplished, see His cause advanced in the earth. And I thank God. I thank God. I've been on staff at different churches, and I've never seen a team work together like this one does, ever. It's extraordinary. Of course, they, they don't get a paycheck if they, uh, if they don't cooperate. But other than that, <laughs> we just kind of hold that over their head. No, I'm just kidding. No, there's just a lot of great camaraderie and teamwork here, and I just really appreciate who, who God has surrounded me with. And I also want to have Denny Horton, my good friend, to stand up at this, at this moment. And uh, he won't hurt you. This guy... <laughs> It's one of the sweetest men I've ever met, and I'm very excited to tell you about something that has happened for our church, with our church. Thanks, Denny. And he's going to be talking to you in the next couple of weeks or so. We just got to set up a date. But we are, we are expanding our influence as One Cost Church into Dallas, Texas, and um, we have actually re-inherited a building that we once had there when we had several congregations and it's there about 10 minutes from Christ for the Nations. There in Oak Cliff, right on the corner of Emmett and Pierce. And we are beginning our One Cause Outreach uh, Church and Center there, where Denny Horton, who has a great ministry of street ministries, had it for a year and a half to two years now, been building it, been building it. And on Sundays, he's going to be busing in the homeless there at that building. And we're going to minister to them. We're going to feed them the Word of God, and we're going to feed them food, give them a good hot meal. But we're also going to be reaching out to the community, and there's going to be lots of ways for you to get involved. I need a real good amen right there. Good ways for you to get involved where we can help and reach out to those there. I mean, God has just brought this thing into our lives. We didn't see it coming, got a phone call, and we just began to dream together. And begin to talk about it and talk to the board about it. And we had a unanimous, yes, let's go for it. Hallelujah. And so yeah. we are excited to be extending our reach yeah. into Dallas, Texas and helping people come up. Yeah. And it's the message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that has the ability and the power in it to save a man's life. Amen. And if we can just get the message to them, God will do the saving. Amen. God will do the saving. Amen. And so we're going to, we're going to, I'm very excited about what's going on there. And uh, so just be praying about that when you think about it and, and if, be praying about how you can get involved. We're going to be certainly needing contributions along the way because we, we plan on having a, a, a very regular feeding going on there as well as clothing and all kinds of things that, where we can, we can help, help them out. All right. Are you with me in that? Yeah. Amen. Praise God. I love you, Denny. Glad to be partnered with you, buddy. Uh, he's also a graduate of Christ for the Nations. Well, you're in your third year in May. He'll graduate Christ for the Nations as well. Amen. Anybody else here from Christ for the Nations? I know you are. Look at all these CFNIRs. All right. Well, you know, we kind of attract the CFNIRs there since, uh, you know, Pastor John's on full-time staff. I'm a graduate and also help sub substitute teach there from time to time. And so we always have a good influx of talent and giftings come from that great Bible school. So, all right, I'm done doing a CFNI commercial. Let's get into the Word. And uh, I, uh, this, today we're beginning a new series that I've just titled Before the Giant, 
And in 1 Samuel 17, this is a very familiar story, but what I'm asking you to do is don't turn me off because you know the story, all right? Stay with me. They're going to learn some new things today, and uh, I believe that there's going to be things that's going to come into your life that you need right now. You need an answer, and it's going to help you, all right? This, the Word of God is here. It's, a, it's relevant for our lives. The Bible says it, it's, it, it divides spirit and soul, and, and, and it, it, uh, even down to the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. What that means is that the Word of God has an answer for every dimension of man. Spirit, soul, body, joints and marrow, and even the mind. Okay, so it, there's something for you here today, and I want you to open up your life to receive. Now, if you have the YouVersion Bible app on your phone or iPad, your electronic device, you can go there, and you, I've got some notes uh, laid out there for you, and you can follow along with some of the scriptures there and uh, some of the points, so be, you're welcome to do that. All right, 1 Samuel 17, verse 32, Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him, that is, because of Goliath. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And David and Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For you are a youth. How about that, teenagers? You're just a kid. You can't do that. They love hearing that. <laughs> you are a youth. And he, a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant I love the way David makes a comparison here. All right? I mean, Goliath, I mean, uh, Saul has just, just pictured this fierce champion, right? He's helped David have an understanding of, of just how big and bad this giant is. Man, since he was your age, he was fighting. All right? So David throws this back. I used to watch some sheep. <laughs> right? Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it. He's a little throat off. And delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Wow. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion. Oh, this is how he's getting this stuff done. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear. He will. Hey. I want you to say this with me. If he did it, he will do it. If he did it, he will do it. He delivered me from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear. He will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Father, thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ even now upon your people. I thank you that you grace my lips today. You've called me to preach your word, and I thank you right now for this incredible opportunity, Lord, to teach your people. And Father, I thank you that our, our lives, our ears, our hearts, our minds, our everything is open to receive your word even now in Jesus' name. Now, before the, before the giant, you're going to find, I mean, you might, you might be at that place right now. But along the way, we, our life is lived in a process. Our faith walk is just that, one step 
at a time. The Bible doesn't say that we run by faith, that we drive by faith, that we fly by faith. We walk. That is one step in front of the other. All right? It is a process. And so when you are many times the lions and the bears in our lives, that is the, the, the smaller problems or the smaller issues can, can get overlooked or pushed aside so that when we face the big daddy trouble, we don't really know what to do at that moment. Because along the way, we've not understood where we were and what we were doing. We've not understood the moments in our life where we were set up for a victory. All right? A lot of times, the little things in our lives get pushed aside. They get ignored. They get procrastinated. And so <clears throat> they don't go away. They just pile up, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Any other procrastinators here? Or am I the only one in the room? All right, so they pile up, right? And when they pile up, your wife starts talking to you. She piles up. And so now you find yourself spending a lot of energy just trying to avoid those things instead of just facing them, right. instead of just overcoming them, or instead of dealing with them, you'd rather spend the time and the energy just going around them. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah. And so then the, when, 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 the, when the giant shows up, Where's God in all of this? Right? Okay. So this giant, but it can be a positive thing. The giant in your life might be a dream that you, like we were talking about this morning, that you want to see realized. You have a vision. You see a big picture out there. You see, you have a desire. And there are necessary steps to walk. And there's a necessary process to go through to get there. But on the negative side, this giant can represent a big problem as well. A debt, a disease, a, some kind of sickness in your life, or uh, um, a, 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 a death in the family, a sin, bad relationship. In order to get a grasp on how to, to beat this thing, though, you're going to have to develop, ladies and gentlemen, an overcoming lifestyle. And you overcome by faith. Can I get a good amen there? See, it happens in the daily routine of your thoughts, words, and actions. Learning how to beat the lions and the bears before the giant. There's a theory called the broken window theory. In 1984, it was uh, implemented put to test in the city of New York. And the broken window theory is something like this. The whole idea behind it is that if a window is broken on a building and goes unattended, then other windows will eventually get broken. And when other windows get broken, then it invites a little bit more radical kind of crime and misdemeanor. And so as a result, that could possibly set up a whole environment then of a progress of crime evolving into greater crime. And this theory was put to test in New York City in 1984 in the subway system. That is, they were riddled, these, these cars were riddled with graffiti. 
They decided, instead of George Kelling as the guy who headed this whole operation up, they wanted to just spend money and just get all new cars. And he said, no, let's not do that. Let's keep what we have. Let's clean them and paint them. And so they set up a whole shed where they would take a car into that shed and they would either scrub off the paint if they could or repaint it if necessary and then connect it to another clean car. They never mixed the clean cars with the dirty cars, the graffitied cars. And so they were sending out a message every day that the cars were getting clean. Somebody was paying attention to the unattended crime. And so then, as a result, they had a system going down so well, ladies and gentlemen, that as soon as one of these, these cars would get tagged by, by somebody, before it went out the next morning, it would have a fresh paint job or a fresh scrub. They just would not let it leave the station unless it was cleaned or painted. Six and a half years they did this. From 1984 until 1990 around there, and the problem went away. Now, it didn't fully go away, but it went away drastically where it just really didn't make all that much difference. The graffiti artists, artists, they, they lost the battle. And so when they saw that they were succeeding in this, about that time, Giuliani was elected as mayor of New York, and they began to implement this also in the, where the turnstiles are going to the subway. Anybody ever been on New York subway before? Right? And they had these fare jumpers, Right? They were not paying the fare. They were jumping over turnstiles. And so what they decided to do was station cops there, and they would arrest the guys who were jumping the fare. They were dealing with the little things. And, oh, man, they got scrutiny over that. You, you mean you're going to forget going after murderers and go after guys who are jumping the fares? All kinds of scrutiny they were under. They would put as many as 10 cops there dressed in street clothes, and then these guys would arrest all these fare jumpers, and they would, just, they would just herd them up on the platform until they had a big amount of them, and then they would just then they would take them in. And at that time, they would do background checks on them. They found out that one in seven of them had a criminal history. They found out one in 20 of them had a weapon on them. And over time, these criminals wised up. They left their guns at home and started paying the fare. And crime dropped drastically. In 2001, there was a report that it dropped so drastically, and for the next 10 years, it continued to decrease. And Mayor Giuliano is touted as one of the greatest mayors of New York City as a result of that. That whole system of just dealing with the little things. Now, David stood here in confidence this day, ready to do what he said he could do, because he took care of the little things. And he did not increase the size of his trouble. He made it like it was something he had already dealt with. He said the, the, the giant, he's going to be just like the lion and the bear. This isn't anything. The trouble that you might be facing today might not be so much that it's so overwhelming. It's, it, might, you know, it might not really be the trouble that you're facing that's the, that's the problem so much as it might be just the little things left undone. These seemingly little things could very well be the cause of the chaos that maybe has ensued in your life. And you might find yourself asking questions like, how did I end up here? I never would have dreamed 
I would be in this place. I never thought I would hear myself say this. Hmm? How did this happen? Hey, I don't, I'm not here to throw rocks at you. I'm here to encourage you today. All right, I want to, you're, the beautiful gospel, the word of God is a message of hope for us. So no matter where you find yourself, God knows exactly what to do in your situation. He is the solution. Are you hearing me today? He's with you, and he has a way out. He has a victory set up for you. Matter of fact, the Bible says, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifest to destroy the works of the devil. Another scripture says that Jesus made a public spectacle over the devil, triumphing over him in his cross. Hmm? Showed him openly for the defeated dog that he is. Now, Here's the truth that you have to keep before you all the time. God is on your side. Say that today. God is on my side. Say it. God is on my side. See? So wherever you find yourself today, this is great hope. If God is on your side, then anything is possible. And if God be for you, then who can be against you? It really doesn't matter who's against you. It really doesn't make any difference. Amen? Any one of these Israelites, any one of these guys could have taken the giant out. Any of them. King Saul included. But the problem was, is that you really can't blame them. I mean, they're not, they, they didn't win because they were strong. Or they, they could have won, but it wasn't because they were stronger. And it wasn't because they were smart, smarter. And it wasn't because they were better fighters. That's just the truth. I think God, well, I'm sure God knew that. I'm sure he knew that. Some of these guys were, I mean, the Philistines were trained in war, right? But there were times that God would just have, you know, Jehoshaphat, the king at one time, had these guys come out, and they, would, and they sang themselves into victory. Because I think God looked at their ability and said, no, that ain't happening. Let's just make them sing, and we'll, we can work with that, right? It's incredible. But see, they had this connection with God. They were the army of the living God. So you don't have to fight like other men do when you're connected to the living God. If it just takes a song, then so be it. If it takes just 300 men against thousands, then so be it. As long as you're connected to the living God, victory is sure for you. Any one of these guys could have done it. All they, they all could have. But the problem is they see their leader, the king, Buckling under pressure. Not even Saul's willing to go after this rascal. Right? And I'm trying to imagine Saul measuring up his army out there, looking at possibly who, who could take on Goliath. All right? Come here for a second, Brenda. I know you're texting all of, you're taking, you're actually taking notes. I know you are. <laughs> Okay, stay right there. No, don't, don't stay on your toes. Can I borrow, Warren, can I borrow you for one second? Would you mind? Just for one second. Yeah. There we go. Now we're talking. <laughs> Come stand right up here so everybody can see you. All right. Stay right here. All right. Now, this is going to be Goliath, obviously. I'm Saul. And this is my army. 
So I'm figuring out, okay. And everybody looks like this. Nobody's saying anything to Saul, though. The Bible says that he was head and shoulders above everybody in Israel. Isn't he the obvious one to take on this guy? Yeah. Right? So he's looking at everybody, and I can just see as he passes by, people are going, Hello. You're the guy. You're the one. But Saul did not see himself that way. Saul only had his eyes full of a giant. And when he did, he saw himself like he saw his own army. He only measured man by man and did not remember that they were the army of the living God. Okay? Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. See, here's, here's the deal. They, listen, uh, let's just look right quick. Verse 36, David says, Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. See, they were so focused on who that giant was that they just simply forgot who they were and who God was with them. Um, 33, and Saul said to David, You're not able to go against this Philistine to go fight with him. You're just a boy, you're just a kid. This man has been a champion, a man of war, since he was a kid, right? So the king's focus seems to be on their limitations and on, on Goliath's accomplishments. Huh. The king isn't volunteering, so nobody's volunteering. So they were hopeless, and they were afraid. But this boy shows up totally confident with this resolve in his heart, no fear, totally courageous, says, I can do this. You can imagine how obnoxious this scene looks to these guys who have sold out to fear. David put the giant in the same category as the lion and the bear. Hmm. What, what, when he gets audience with the king, I can just see him standing there saying, hey, I'm not trying to show off here. I'm not here to, to, um, to put another notch in my belt because of something else I killed. I'm here because I know exactly who I am. I know who we are. And I know that we're the army of the living God. And that uncircumcised, uncovenanted giant doesn't stand a chance. My inexperience and my youth have nothing to do with it, King. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me. Yeah, I killed the lion. Yeah, I killed the bear. But it was the Lord who delivered me from their ability to harm me. See, if you'll acknowledge the Lord in everything, then you will see the Lord in everything. And I, I, I'm amazed at this kid. That why in the world he would risk his own life for a little bitty lamb? Why he would put himself in harm's way? Two things. They're not even his sheep. They're not even his. There's daddy's. Remember he said, I used to keep my father's sheep. So why does he care so much? And he's out in the wilderness by himself. 
So he doesn't own the business, and he's all by himself. Is it really going to matter then? Is it really going to matter, one stinking little sheep? Let the lion have a meal. I ain't putting my life on the lion for a dumb sheep. That doesn't even belong to me. It's not my responsibility. It's not my business. I just work here. Why should I care so much? I don't own it. I haven't had a raise in I don't know how long. He doesn't care. Why should I care? Nobody's watching me anyway. I'm out here all by myself. Who would flip and know? I, does it really matter? Does it really matter that he would put himself in harm's way for a lion and a bear? See, David had an understanding that we all need to be reminded of again today. That whether anybody's watching or not doesn't matter. Because we belong to God. And we have to remember who we're really doing this for. And are we willing to do whatever it takes for Him? Understanding that God is watching. But that shouldn't scare us. That should only encourage us. If God's watching, then that means God's with you. He's not watching you going, (laughs) screw up. No, God's watching because He's in this thing with you. All right? David had this understanding. He saw it. Just like that line, I killed the line of the bear, but hey, here's the truth. God was the one who did it. All right? Now, I want you to look with me for a second. Can you handle it just a little bit more? Let's look at verse 28. Let's back up for just a moment. Now, Eliab, now this is his oldest brother. Remember Eliab, remember when the, the chapter before when Samuel showed up to anoint David as king. He didn't know he was anointing David as king at the time. He shows up. Jesse presents seven sons, Right? Seven sons, Eliab being the oldest, the tallest, the strongest, the most handsome. And as soon as Samuel saw him, he said, whoa, yeah, this is who I'd pick to be king. He said, surely the hand of the Lord is upon him. And God said, no, I refused him. You look at the outside, I'm looking at the heart, right? And he went down, him, next brother, next brother, all the way through seven sons. And God said no to all of them. And finally, he says, Jesse, do you have any more kids? And it's like it takes him a second. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, he's back on the backside of the desert back there with some of my sheep. We'll holler for him. So he calls for him, David comes, and God says, yeah. This punk kid, are you kidding me? This is the one you're picking to lead the nation? The nation of Israel? See, God sees things in you that others won't see. So that's why you cannot wait around for somebody else to pull you up or to notice you or put you in position. You put your life in the hands of God, he will make sure you get the promotion and get to the place that you need to be. You humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he will exalt you in due season. You had a good chance to say, I mean, really shout there. I'm not going to wait around for you. All right. So Eli, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and your insolence of heart and the insolence of your heart. How does Eliab know the insolence of his heart? I thought only God could see the heart, right? This guy's making these, ter- these, these outlandish judgment calls, right? I know you come down here to see the battle, but here's the deal. Look what he says. He totally minimizes what David does. 
Who have you left those few sheep with out in the wilderness? In other words, who in the heck could you possibly have given that job to? That's the worst, dumbest job anybody could have. Who possibly would care? And yet you find yourself here. You're out there in a wilderness with a few sheep, David. You see what I'm saying? See what he's saying? He's not acknowledging anything that David's doing. He's only minimizing his efforts. Now, if I'm David at this point, like I told the earlier service, I, I'm going to say something different at this point than what, how David responded. I am an older brother, and I know how to smart off. And I know how, I know how, to, I know how to use words. And I just, I just don't think I would have done what David did here. All right? Oh, that's interesting, Eliab, since you say that. Okay. Okay, you say that, that I've come out to see the battle. The only battle I see with my eyes, I see this giant come out, and all I see is you guys battling to see who could run the farthest away from the battle. That's what I'm looking at. My little few sheep in the back of the wilderness. I mean, if that's what your job title is, to run, sign me up today. I can do that. I don't even need basic training for that. So what you're saying is that it's better to leave a wilderness full of sheep and come here and learn to run like a little girl. But he didn't say that. That's what I would say. But it's not what he said. What does he say? What have I now done? Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause, big brother? See, here's the truth, Eliab. You forgot who you are. You've forgot your purpose. You've lost your place in this world. You've lost sight of who you are, who God is. You started measuring the giant over your God. Mm-mm-mm. You've let him talk for 40 days, and now he's utterly convinced you of his strength to overcome you. But let me tell you something. I'm going to show you something, big brother. I'm going to shut him up because I'm not going to put up with that. You see what putting up with it has helped, how that's helped you. It's left you running scared. See, ladies and gentlemen, the enemy has a big mouth. That's what he has, the power of persuasion. Jesus rendered him powerless but he's got this voice that is so persuasive at times. Matter of fact, the Bible says he roams about like a roaring lion. He is not a roaring lion, but he sounds like one. Man, he can sound big, bad, and mean, and he can convince you if you continue to let him talk to you. That's why you have to open up your mouth and shut him down. Hallelujah. You have to get in your mouth and your mind, you're going to say what God says no matter what that lion lion is saying. Lion like lion is saying. Amen? (laughs) David saw his job, see, with those few sheep in the wilderness in a whole different light than his brother Eliab did though. See, he took it, seriously, he took it as an assignment from God. He took responsibility for every one of those sheep. He was just not willing to lose any of them. Now, I think it's probably 
safe to say that he might have lost a sheep or two in his time. He might have. But on the day when the battle's on, he's not counting the ones he lost. He's talking about the victories at that very moment. See, that's what you need are those victories so that when you get to another, you come to another fight, that all you can recount at that moment was, well, God did it then. He will do it now. He will do it again, just like he did it then. If he's the same yesterday, then he is the same today, and he is going to be the same tomorrow. Hallelujah. Because even when I am faithless, my Bible tells me that he remains faithful. He must have had this understanding that God was with him. See, it was out there in that wilderness that David got some great revelation. Laying out there in that wilderness on his back, looking at that starry night. You know what I'm talking about? You've been out in the country so deep and thick that there's no lights to hinder the night sky. And you, you, you feel like you could just look at infinity and just lights upon lights upon dimensions of stars. And David's out there looking at that in Psalm chapter 8. He says, when I consider the heavens and the works of your hands, the moon and the stars that you've ordained, who am I? What is man that you're mindful of him? The son of man that you would visit him. You want to have communion with me. You made all these wonderful things. Oh, that must mean, that must mean you chose to, to not have that relationship with a star or a moon. You put them out there. You chose not to have a relationship with a tree and with a, you chose me. You chose me. You picked me. That must mean I'm really something. Now look what he says about Man, Psalm 8, verse 5, for you have made him a little lower than the angels. Now, I want to make a correction here because in the Hebrew, if you look up the Hebrew word, look at the Strong's Concordance, that word is actually Elohim, which is God. The very same word used in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. What David said, you made him a little lower than God. That is, you, I look like God, hallelujah, and I'm lower, I'm a little lower than God. What, what a revelation that is right there. We could just sit on that one for a while. And you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. Hey, if God, God made all these stars and he made all these marvelous things and he put me in charge of it. He's, I mean, this, this revelation is just unfolding with him. Oh, my God, you love me so much that you created all this stuff not for you. You did it for me. Amen. You gave me dominion over the works. And now listen to this. You have put all things, where? Under his feet, all sheep. The very first thing comes to his mind is his job. You put all sheep. That's why David went after that sheep. That's why. Because God put him in charge of it. It didn't matter whose sheep they were. Ultimately, they were God's. And he put him in charge. And oxen, and look, even the beasts of the field, that's why he wasn't afraid of the lion and the bear. Because he knew he had dominion. The birds of the air, the fish of the sea that pass through the pass of the sea. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. And so when he shows up with this 
full of wisdom and full of the life of God, full of the understanding that God is with him. Ladies and gentlemen, that giant didn't stand a chance. But how many of you know he still had to go? Just because all that was true, the giant was still standing. He had to fight the fight. It's a fixed fight, but you still got to fight. The fight of faith is a fixed fight, but you still have to fight. All right? You still have to get the word of God in your mouth, that two-edged sword. You still have to hold up that shield of faith. You still have to have that belt of truth, that helmet of salvation, that breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. of You still have to go to war, but if you will fight, you will win. Don't forget it ain't your armor. It's the armor of God. Hallelujah. That takes all the pressure off of you. You just got to put it on and go. Now, let me finish with these few things. I want you to write these down, all right? Some things to take home with you. I want you to, to uh, look these over this week, chew on them for a while, meditate on them, all right, and get them into your life. Number one, never underestimate the importance of where you are and what you do. Never underestimate the importance of where you are and what you do. David was in the wilderness with his father's sheep. And the next thing we know, two great things happen. Number one, he gets anointed king. And the next thing, he's whooping up on a giant. Number two, take ownership of that which you are responsible. Mm-hmm. Take ownership. Like I said, David treated those sheep like they were his. See, when you go to your job and you're working for somebody else, I know sometimes it's not the most motivating thing. But you act like it is yours. Amen. You act like the people around you are assignments from God. That there are people there who are in need of you being there. Number three, develop your skill. Develop your skill. See, David had to have practiced with that, with that, that sling. He had to have, right? Before he showed up there to, to fight that giant... He had to have used that thing before. Don't you know he was back there on the backside of that desert when nobody else was looking? Now, when, I, when we were living out in San Angelo, Texas, we had lots of practice with cactus. Cactus everywhere out there. And I had a lot of fun shooting cactus, throwing rocks at them. You know, David had all kinds of things he would try that. He's developing a skill. He knows not what for, He's just developing the skill. Are you hearing me? He has no idea what that, what that little skill is going to do in the future for him. No idea. Years ago when I was at Christ for the Nations, I worked at a phone center of, uh, where we were counselors for um, Robert Tilton, uh, his ministry there. And his TV show was called Success in Life. And he had a whole call center there. And so they, they hired a lot of Christ for the nation students. It was a good job for us. And we would work there and take calls from people that needed prayer for whatever. And, and, and during his show, when it was on, I mean, we'd have lots of phone calls, leading lots of people to Jesus. It was a great job. I had a lot of great experiences there. And I thank God for it. Um, but, but when the show went off, the phones would kind of die down. The phone calls would kind of die down. We'd get one trickle in every now and then. Well, they encouraged us that we could just bring our books from school and study if we wanted to. Well, I was not about to do that because I wasn't a studier at that time. 
Don't take my, don't, don't follow my example there. You study. Um, but I, but I, I loved, at the time, I was really interested in writing songs. So I just began to work on the skill of writing songs. Not having any idea, with no plans at all, to be in music ministry down the road. I was planning for my rock and roll band, which I had, and it was great. But I had no idea that when I left Christ for the Nations, I had planned on really going into youth ministry in that vein. That's really what I thought I was going to be doing. But just a few weeks back home, at, hired as the janitor of our church, whoo, number one, number one full-time position in ministry right there starts with a mop in the hand. Anyway, and that's, that's where I started, doing that. But I remember the phone call I got one night from my father. And he said, Son, I need you to lead worship tomorrow. Our worship leader had a moral failure, unfortunately, and I need you to take it tomorrow. <laughs> All right. Well, I didn't know what I was jumping into, but for the next 10 years, that's what I did. All right? But not understanding that developing the skill back here was setting me up for here. Okay? So you can develop the skill and not even realize where it's going, but you know God has gifted all of us naturally in some way. It, there are things that come natural to you that are easy for you, maybe not easy for others. Pastor Brandon's talked to you about this a lot. What others see in you, that's probably the thing that God has gifted you in. All right? So learn to develop that thing, and you watch what God will open up for you. I've got to finish up. Thanks for not agreeing. All right. Um, verse, uh, verse 4. Yeah, I'm writing scripture up here. <laughs> Number four, trust the Lord to lead you. Trust the Lord to lead you. David said in Psalm 144, he trains my hands for war. He trains my fingers for battle. See, David's back there going, he's, he's doing this, and the Lord is teaching him along the way in this. I don't know. I don't know how all that's going, but all I know is when he looks back on it, he said, God is the one that trained me. Isn't that awesome? And how many of you know David was a warrior of warriors? Amen. Number five, remember the cause. Remember the cause. Everywhere you are, people are in need. So let your light so shine before men. Remember the cause. Amen. And lastly, take courage. See, in that fear-producing situation, in that fear-producing circumstance, there is always courage to be taken. Right along with the fear, you have the option. Remember Jesus told his disciples, take courage, it is I. Take courage. Don't go for fear. Don't go on the fear. Take courage. David shows up there, and he's in a fear-producing situation atmosphere. They're, they, all the way up to the king himself. All of his older brothers that he looked up to, they're all running scared. I mean, he's, he seems to have all the odds against him. There's really no reason why he shouldn't be scared too, but he's not. He's not because he has already been victorious before. See, he learned back here. He prepared for the day he would stand before the giant. Take courage. Never underestimate the importance of where you are and what you do. Take ownership of that which you are responsible. Develop your skill. Trust the Lord to lead you. Remember the cause and take courage. Let's bow our heads. Hallelujah. Father,
We've received your word at this time. We thank you for it, God. Just where you're sitting right now, would you just, just lift your hands to the Lord? Just lift your hands to the Lord. I believe that the Lord has touched you today. I believe he's spoken to you, spoken right into your life and into your, your very situation. And I want you just in your own words just to yield to his word that's come to you today. Get your eyes on his promise. Get your eyes on him today. And understand that God is with you. God is with you. He is with you. Glory to God. Glory to God. Some of you just need to grab a hold of courage today. Some of you just need to remember again why you're here. Why, remember that cause. Some of you need to, need to take another look at what you're doing and realize how important it really is. Amen. Some of you need to take responsibility, take ownership of that which you are responsible. Amen. There are some of you here who need to continue to dream and work on your skill. Whatever it is, just say, Father, I yield to you. I yield to you. My life is yours. And I receive what you said to me at this moment. And I repent. I change my mind right now. I set my mind on you and your ability. And I realize right now that you have been with me all along. And if you have been with me, then you will continue to be with me. So, I choose today to be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Amen. If you're here today, every head bowed, every eye closed, and you don't have a relationship with God, you've been doing it all in your own strength. You've been living life all for yourself, all in your own way and all in your own doing. But today, you want to surrender to Him. He's here. He's here to show you that He loves you. He so loved you. He, did, he, just don't, he doesn't want to be in heaven without you. He did everything he could to get you there by giving his son Jesus. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him, I'm looking at a room full of whoever's here today. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. If you're here between me and you and God, and you say, Pastor Eric, please pray for me. I want to surrender my life to Christ today. I want this life. I want this partnership with God. I want to know. I want to know that God's with me. I want to have that understanding. I need him in my life. I need his help. I need him. I need to be saved. I want all this stuff off of me. I want him. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I don't want to bear the weight of that. He already did it. I accept what Jesus did for me. Are you here today and say, Pastor, please pray for me. I want to be saved today. How about you're here and you're just away from God? You are saved. You're a child of God, but <laughs> you found yourself in, in this message today going in the other direction. You've found yourself more relating to the army and to King Saul over King David. And today, you're just coming back to God. All right, thank you for that. You just raise your hand there. And just acknowledging where you are. Amen, amen. Father, I thank you for these. Bless them, Lord. I thank you, God, for your grace that abounds to them as they just take a new step in you, Lord, as they, as they are just 
make, taking a, I thank you right now that there's a new start now. There's a new start now. That old things are passed away. All things have been made new. Strengthen them in their walk. Strengthen them, God, by your grace. Teach them, I thank you, by your Holy Spirit, Lord, to walk. Walk in the ways of the Lord. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. Praise God. Amen. Now look up at me. I want, I want to just encourage you, if you want to go on this marriage retreat, this marriage getaway, don't forget to see Miss Nancy. She's walking out the door in that pretty polka dot dress she's got on. Follow her out there, and she will um, get you signed up. We're taking 24 couples, and uh, it's $100. You can pay your deposit now in the next couple of weeks. What else do we need to say? That it? Now, but Chick-fil-A tomorrow night, all day long, actually, but there's going to be a, quite a crew there at 6, six, crew at six o'clock. 380 and 75, make sure you say that it's for one cause church so that uh, they can get some credit for that. Pastor Everett, would you come and dismiss everyone? You, let's all stand together at this time. Once again, thanks for joining the One Cause Church podcast, Building a Better Life. We invite you to check us out on the web at www.onecausechurch.com for upcoming events and information about us. God bless you.